Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Echo Leadership Podcast. My name's David. I'm one of the hosts. And today we have a special talk that we're going to share with you from Andy Wood from last year's Echo Leadership Conference. Now, what is the Echo Leadership Conference? Y'all, this is going to be one of the best ways for you to continue growth as a leader this year. It's coming up in May of this year, 2022. And I want to let you know that as part of our Echo Leadership Podcast Tribe, we're going to give you a special price. Y'all, when you come to the conference this year, you're going to get to hear from speakers like Andy Wood, Louis Giglio, Hosanna Wong, and Grant Skeldon, and more. And this is how you can sign up this year so you don't miss it. Go to echoleadership.org. That's echoleadership.org. Now, you're going to see that this month, the special price is $79 for our super early bird price. But because you're part of our Echo Leadership Podcast Tribe, we're going to give you an extra $10 off when you use the promo code ELP. One zero. That's ELP one zero. So when you enter that at checkout, you're going to get $10 off that super early bird price, but don't miss out. You got to do it in January to get the best possible price. Now let's jump in with this talk and let's get ready to start off this year. Right. I am so grateful that you are here with us today. You know, our time together today is a fulfillment of a vision that God gave to us when we first started the church that from the beginning we said, God, we wanna lead with open hands. We wanna take everything you deposit into our church and be a resource for churches all over the Bay Area, churches all over the country, that it would not just be about us, but it would be about a movement that changes this region. And you're a fulfillment of that dream and vision. And I wanna, before I jump into my message, just honor a couple of people. My mom is here today. And we are so thrilled to have her here. She doesn't like public acknowledgement, but without her teaching me how to love Jesus when I was a little kid, I would not be following him as I am today. And mom, we're so grateful and honored to have you here today. And I'm excited with my mom, my wife, and my daughter all in the front row. There will be three people that love this message today. I also want to take just a moment because as Grant was sharing in that last session, you saw some hands shoot up. And there are some people who are here today that this vision would not exist without them. And I want to take just a moment to honor two people, Pastor Steve Stroop, Pastor Rick Burge. These, these two men have poured into my life, I know into countless other lives who are here today, They were the first to believe in the vision that God gave to us, the first church to stand with us. Um, I think probably thousands of hours of phone calls now. Pastor Steve has talked me off ledges, discipled me. Pastor Rick has stood with me and us in so many difficult seasons. And I just want to say in front of all these people, this would not exist without you. So thank you for believing your generosity and investing in us. So I turned 40 in 26 days from now. I'm really excited about it. You know, part of it is just because the last few years of 30s have been really hard, and I'm looking forward to a new decade. And Stacy, my wife, she's preparing me for my 40th birthday. So what she decided to do was plan a party, number one, and number two, get people to write personal letters to me of how they had been impacted by our ministry. Now, she understands my love language, 
Um, in fact, when we started talking about the party we were planning for my birthday, she was going to send out the invitations, and I don't want people to feel obligated to bring me a gift to a birthday party. It's not my love language. So I actually asked her to put in the invitation, in lieu of gifts, Andy would like for you to catch up on your tithes. So that was, that was my request. I'm dead serious. It's a joke? Kind of. But... Um, but my love language really is hearing how people's lives have been impacted through our ministry. And there's something that happens internally when you realize you are a link in the chain of somebody's life being changed forever. So on that first day, she handed me Ryan Lopez's letter. Ryan's here today. Where are you, Ryan? Back there. Y'all give it up for Ryan Lopez. When I picked up his letter, it impacted me in a significant way for two reasons. First of all, the previous night, I had seen Ryan on a stage with our students, and he stood up and shared his story of how Jesus had changed his life. So it was like just the day before I'd heard this message of his. And in his story, Ryan was at rock bottom when he came to this church. Ryan was a gangbanger, if I can say that, started multiple gangs. He was dealing drugs. He was using drugs. He was about to go to prison several times, and God reached in and changed his life. Somebody that he was a friend with invited him to a service. He came and he sat here and the Holy Spirit in this room began to transform his heart to waken him to the reality of the greatest news ever that Jesus, the son of God, came and died on a cross, that he paid for our sins, that he conquered the grave. And Ryan believed and he was changed and the Holy Spirit started working inside of his heart and he started serving and thank God he started giving and he started, uh, he started letting God use his life in a very powerful way, found a wife, started serving in ministry on, on a team, then he d grew as a leader and now he's on our staff today and we, we love this guy. And part of the reason why his letter impacted me so much personally was because when I opened it, at the top of the letter, it said, in 2014. Now, if you are not a part of ECHO, you don't know what 2014 stands for, but here we call it the year of hell. It was the hardest year that we have ever had. We watched about half of our staff leave. We had financial issues. There were multiple times that we wanted to quit. And I remember vividly sitting in a room with our team at the time around a table, and actually Kendall, wherever she is, wrote this in a memory for me as well, where we got in the room and I wanted to quit and I felt the Holy Spirit very clearly say to me, Andy, this is not your season to quit. I have called you to this ministry. And so we got in the room and I said, some of y'all want to quit and you should go ahead and quit. And the rest of you, we're going to stand on the other side of this crisis and we are going to praise God together that he did more in the next seven years than he did in the first seven years of our church. And there's lots of y'all in this room today that were a part of that conversation. But what strikes me, even from Ryan's letter, is that every given moment, every given season of ministry, there are people in our ministry, in our leadership, if you're a business leader, that they are in a crisis, there are people who are walking through the loss of a loved one. There are people that have cancer in their family. There are others who have lost their jobs. Crisis is happening in pockets of our churches and our organizations. But what has happened over the last 15 months is the whole world hit a crisis at the exact same time. And here we are as leaders 
looking at the reality that now statistics show, y'all, this is crazy. You might want to use these preachers. You can use this later. I'll give it to you. But 93, there's been a 93% increase in the hotline that people call for mental health help. Statistics show us that it's gone from one in 10 people that would say they're anxious or depressed to now four in 10 people. So you can very clearly see statistics are on the rise with people who are struggling mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Now, just a little caveat, one of the greatest twists on this reality is that if we are in the church, we have the solution. So we're hearing news about like, church will never be the same again. Churches are not gonna grow again. And we have the story that has the power to change people's lives for all eternity. So church is up and to the right for all of human history until King Jesus comes back. So we're gonna stand on that promise. But I, I would like to just stop for a moment and recognize that leaders this last year have become the world's easiest target. Like how many of y'all have gotten more pushback, more anger, more spears thrown at you in the last 15 months than your ministry before or your leadership before? Just out of curiosity, raise your hand up high. Anybody look around the room? Is there anybody in the room that threw a spear at you? Just out of curiosity, raise it up again. I, I saw this stat. Um, 29% of pastors have given serious thought to quitting recently and 61% of them were lying. 71%, my math was off on that, 71%. 29 plus 71, Pastor Steve is 100. Um, so 62% of business owners felt depressed once a week. So if you are a leader, you during this last year have struggled. There have been times in your ministry, your leadership that you've wanted to quit. There are times that you felt like you didn't have what it takes to persevere. Your confidence has been shaken. And for all of us, even in the midst of this, perhaps we've experienced some PTSD as a result of COVID. And maybe you are experiencing right now leadership PTSD. So I wonder if you have leadership PTSD from COVID. I'll give you um, possibly some signs that you might have leadership PTSD. This is for pastors. You start to get the shakes when you are alone in the room with a camera. This one has happened here. You've almost gotten in a fist fight over metrics, Darren. Like, I don't care about the IP addresses. I want to know how many people showed up, okay? Um, and how many people are being discipled. Um, so here's one. You've, you've secretly started day trading cryptocurrency on the Robinhood app. Anybody want to acknowledge it? Come on. I know Ryan. Ryan, raise your hand up right here. Ryan and I and Darren and I, we text about, about crypto. Um, so how about this? You've strongly considered moving your whole church or business to Austin, Texas. Anybody? Okay, here's another one. You've punched someone who told you they were moving to Austin, Texas. Anybody do that? Okay, this is for those of us who are Californians. Um, you've started having nightmares with Governor Newsom's face in them. <laughs> yes. All right. Here's, here's one that maybe this is more true than it should be. You've started wearing pajama bottoms to in-person meetings. Anybody? All right. This is my last one, okay? You have fired your whole staff 
and you've hired a new team, Jack Daniels, Jose Cuervo, and Jim Beam. That is a sign that you have leadership PTSD. And all joking aside, this struggle for so many of us, I know so many leaders that have almost been taken out by this season. And I do believe from the bottom of my heart that God wants to do something supernaturally that cannot happen with human words today. That he wants to give you a glimpse of the future because what the enemy does when he wants to take you out, he highlights all the benefits of quitting. None of, none of the pain and suffering and sorrow as a result of stopping. And today we're gonna to wrestle through the question, how do we get healthy again as leaders? How do we get ourselves back to that place where vision is strong again, where we are, we're clicking on all cylinders, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, that we are running with steam, that we're walking with God, that we are fulfilling the promises that God has for our lives. We're walking in obedience to him and we're leading well. How do we get healthy again? If you have a Bible, I wanna encourage you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. And I wanna acknowledge that I'm not a psychologist. I know enough psychology to do damage. So if you're here and you're a therapist and you wanna come give me transformation for my next message, please do. I don't have all the, the knowledge of a therapist, but I do believe that the word of God, one touch from God, one encounter with him has the power to change us. So today we're gonna to look at the story of Elijah and we're gonna look at an encounter Elijah has with the living God. And we're gonna see practically how God deals with Elijah and we're gonna see spiritually how God deals with Elijah. First Kings chapter 18, beginning in verse 45, it says, and soon the sky was black with clouds and a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Now remember, uh, those of us who have taught this story before, we love it because we can see in Ahab the apathy, you know, the guy that is not committed to his family, he's not intentional, he doesn't have courage, and then you have Jezebel, this wicked, evil woman who's on the hunt to kill people, and we all see examples, men and women, of this in our society right now. We see some apathetic leaders, we some, see some really angry leaders, and that's who Elijah comes against. In the chapter prior to this, Elijah stands on the mountaintop, Mount Carmel, and with God's help, calls down fire. Fire rains down, burns up a sacrifice, and Yahweh, the one true God, is worshiped again in the nation of Israel. And now on top of this, Elijah has prayed multiple times that God would send rain, and God sends rain after three and a half years of drought. God has been using Elijah to perform miracle after miracle. I feel like I should break out into an elevation worship song. Miracles on miracles on miracles on miracles on miracles. So Elijah has gone from miracle to miracle to miracle to miracle, and God has stirred in him. He's worked in him. And I want us to notice that Elijah in this passage, we're going to see, is exhausted. But he's exhausted not from doing the wrong thing. Elijah is exhausted because he's been obedient to God. And one of the lies the enemy will breathe into your mind is you, you're tired because you've been disobedient. Some of you need to hear today, you are good and tired. You're tired because you've been doing what God has asked you to do. And in that moment, when you're good and tired, what you believe in your mind, what you receive in your heart will determine what happens with your exhaustion, whether you go back to where God wants you to go or you go further into a cave. 
And today I want us to see from Elijah his story that he is, he's good and tired and he's going to start running. The Lord gave him a special strength. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. So he gets a special strength from God, gives him the ability to run faster than a chariot. He goes for 17 miles and he gets there. And it says, when he gets there, Ahab goes home to his house. So Elijah's run from Mount Carmel to the town where Ahab lives. And it says, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel, this evil woman, sends a message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow, I have not killed you just as you have killed them. Now, let's stop for a second and go back. What has Elijah just done? He's been used by God to call down fire. And by the way, this is the part that was kind of hard to fully understand, but he takes 450 prophets and just murders all of them. So imagine PTSD Elijah must have had and everybody else had. But in this moment, Elijah, he's powerful. He's seen God do great things. He's seen miracles. Yahweh has showed up again. Rain has come down. So the question I want us to wrestle through is when Elijah gets this word from Jezebel that she is going to kill his life, what should Elijah have done in that moment? I mean, should he have turned and faced Jezebel and looked at her with confidence and boldness and say, look what just happened with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel? If we were thinking logically, if we were actually responding in the moment, we would look at this story and say, you know what? We need to turn and face the reality of this woman and her threats and her noise that she is screaming into our face. But Elijah turns and runs the opposite direction. And watch what the verse says. It says in verse three, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. So Elijah now at this moment, he goes from running 17 miles in the strength and power of God. There are times in your life when you are empowered supernaturally. You get a super bionic wind from God. You get, you get ability to do things, to say things, to serve in certain ways, and he fills you up and you, you feel it like he's with you. It's kind of like in the airport when uh, we used to fly. Um, we, you would go into the airport and there would be these conveyor belts that when you step onto them, they propel you forward. And immediately when you get on, you're walking still. I don't, this is actually a really interesting test. How many of you all, when you get on the conveyor belt, stop just out of curiosity and put your bags in front of everybody else? Just <laughs> out of curiosity. Nobody in this room. How many of you still walk when you are on the conveyor belt? Okay. <laughs> Leaders in the room today. And we're like, yes, I get to go faster. And you feel the strength underneath you. And what happens when you get off is immediately the strength goes away. And you're still walking, but you're walking on your own power now. So Elijah goes from running with the strength of God to running on his own power far into the wilderness. And Elijah, without the grace of God, has made a permanent decision to run from God's call on his life. And I want to encourage you today to never make a permanent decision on a temporary emotion. I want to encourage you to never quit on your calling simply because you are exhausted. May I say to you today, never speak angry words 
of bitterness towards your spouse simply because you got in one fight with them and tear down future generations in your family because you're frustrated with somebody in your life. Never stop believing that God can do great things through your life simply because you've walked through the greatest crisis in the last hundred years of our nation's history. God sent me today to tell you this, never make a permanent decision on a temporary emotion. And a part of what we need to do in order to not do that is to label the emotion. Stacy got this emotion wheel, and I kind of have like two emotions, excitement and anger. Those are like my two emotions. And she, she printed it out and she put it up for our kids, but it's been really helpful for me to realize there are more emotions than excitement and anger that you can feel. And actually, anger is a secondary emotion to something else that is happening. And emotions are gifts from God. They are symptoms of what is happening underneath the surface. So when you're sad, there's a reason why you're sad. When you're angry, there's a reason why you're angry. And when you label what you're feeling internally, it allows you actually to lead the emotion instead of the emotion leading you. Let me say it like this. Um, I read this in a book. Um, It's about spiders. I don't know if you guys have fear of spiders, but they brought a group of people together uh, to see who could overcome their fear of spiders. So they broke them into four groups and they wanted each of the four groups to do something different to see how many steps they could take towards a spider. So they moved them all eight steps away from the spiders. The first group, they said, you know, we want you just to think differently about spiders. I don't know if they wanted to imagine as like teddy bear spiders or stuffed animal spiders, but they were to think differently before they took their steps. Second group, they were distracted before they took steps. The third group was to label their fear and then take steps. And the last one was to do nothing. Can you guys guess which group took more steps towards the spider? It was the one that had labeled the fear. Some of us think that leadership happens in the absence of fear. The longer you lead, the more you realize the fear never goes away. You always are about to crap your pants as a leader if you are leading. I said that for Pastor Steve right there. That that you are always on the edge of feeling like, oh my gosh, is this gonna work out? Oh my goodness, I don't have what it takes anymore. But when you, when you recognize that fear, you're able to turn and face the fear instead of the fear pushing you further away from God's call in your life. Y'all, if we can be honest with each other, there has been a whole lot of fear that has crept into God's church over this last year. And a lot of it is just because we have so much information coming at us We've been impacted by all the spears that have been thrown at us, and we will start to believe and receive things that we would never otherwise believe and receive. And when a leader lives in fear, that spirit of fear, it's more than just a psychological thing. There is something happening spiritually in a room, on a team, when a leader embodies fear, that fear creeps into every aspect of what you lead. And what our, what our organizations and teams need from us, like God said to Joshua before he went into the promised land, what did he say? Be strong and courageous that our generation, our nation needs leaders that have a strength and a courage about them that will turn and face Jezebel. And one of the most practical things that you can do is simply recognize the fear 
and say leadership never happens in the absence of fear. Leadership happens with fear in the presence of God. It's, it's only when we realize that he is right there next to me when I turn and face the fear that I can overcome and put my feet back in the direction that God has for me. Label the emotion. Now, as it continues this passage, I love how it says he then went on alone in the, into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under the broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Take my life, I am no better than people who are dead. I have nothing left to offer. And notice Elijah's thinking at this moment. Elijah is crazy. He's believing things that he would never believe. He's saying to God, you're done with me, I'm done. Let's just call it quits now. We had a great time on Mount Carmel. It was awesome when you sent that rain down, but now I'm done, I'm finished, Lord. And maybe you've been there. Maybe even recently, you've been at a place where you're like, you know what, I don't have it. I don't have what I need, and I'm ready to throw in the towel. I wanna encourage you today to address your thinking, to address what is happening in your mind and recognize the self-limiting beliefs that you have adopted over the last 12 to 15 months. Some of us who have started churches from scratch pre-COVID, like how many of y'all got to start a church within the last two years, start a church online, and now you're starting a new one? You can't even have babies that fast. Three church, anybody in that boat, two, church within the last two years? And it's exhausting. It's mentally challenging. And many of us who are leaders in organizations, businesses, churches, have started to believe and accept things that we would have never believed or accepted. So these self-limiting beliefs are changing the way that we move forward into the future. Josh Howerton, who's here from Lake Point Church, we love you, man. Grateful for you. He was sharing with me yesterday, um, what was the name of the church in Phoenix that you guys were learning from? Christ Church of the Valley. And they have like eight campuses and they were looking at their attendance post-COVID. And one of the questions Josh was asking is why the difference? So they looked and one campus was like 60% of attendance with great discipleship. Another was, you know, 60, 60, 60, and then another went down to 25. And he asked, what, what's different? And he said that the, the pastor said the thinking in that leader, he's fearful, he's walking around with his head down. And what God wants to do for all of us today is to help us recognize that there are self-limiting beliefs that we could potentially place on our future ministry that greatly inhibit the great things that God wants to do through us. I wonder if some of these are true of you. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. Our, our people can't or our people won't. They're afraid of the virus. They won't serve anymore. Uh, I'm not sure I can keep doing this. I'm the only one who doesn't have this thing figured out. Anybody thought that to themselves? It's like, you know, other people have this figured out. Some of y'all are lying. That's okay, don't raise your hands. Um, nothing we used to do will work. So we, we take strategies that are proven in other seasons of ministry that will still work and we let them go. Instead of working the flywheel that will produce fruit, we abandon it. Um, 
This one, my team is not with me. Anybody thought that? And so now we're walking around suspicious. You know, they voted for that person. I voted for this one. You know, they, they think this way. I think that way. They're not with me. So that suspicion, like Grant talked about, is causing division in so many churches and teams. And we've watched it over the last year. Uh, God must be disappointed with me because I couldn't keep this thing rolling at the same level during, during COVID. Or finally, this whole thing has evaporated. I said that to Pastor Steve on the phone one time. I said, this whole thing is evaporating in front of my eyes. And maybe you have felt like that. And God today wants you to recognize that self-limiting belief is a lie straight from the pit of hell. And we have a promise that we stand on. And the cornerstone for those of us who are church leaders is the fact that Jesus, the son of God, has conquered the grave come forth victoriously. We have an eternity in front of us to worship him, to serve him, to give our whole hearts to him. We have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us to give creativity and innovation. And history shows that it's up and to the right with his kingdom, with discipleship and evangelism, that it constantly grows, that it is not going to be stopped. And oh, by the way, Jesus gave us a promise in Matthew 16, 18. What does it say? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we're going to insert that operating system back into how we see the future, that God is going to bring about a movement in the Bay Area. God is going to bring about change in your business. God is going to strengthen you to do the thing that he has asked you to do, that he is calling you to do. And it will only happen when we address what we're thinking. So here's my question. What lies are you tolerating right now? What are the things that you are believing that you would never believe when you started your church from scratch. You would, you would never believe on day one when you started a business, customers will never show up. You are out in the community hustling, doing mailers, making phone calls, but now the exhaustion has made you believe some things about yourself and the future that are not true. It's kind of like our house, we have a Silicon Valley backyard and it's like eight feet by eight feet. And so we're, we're praying, you know, that there's something better in the future. But this small backyard, we got a dog and she's about seven months old and we're still in that zone where we're like, was this a wise decision? <laughs> and she goes out there, she uses the restroom, we clean it up really quick, we're on it, you know. But there are flies out there. And I have tried so hard to get rid of the flies. It's like the Lord of the flies. You go out there, they are everywhere. And just to walk outside in my backyard, there's this nastiness. So now I have to tolerate what is here. And some of us have tolerated some beliefs, some sin in the camp. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's anger. Perhaps it's bitterness. For some of us, it's an unwillingness to sacrifice personally for the sake of the gospel and the great commission that God has given to us. And that unwillingness to tolerate or that willingness to tolerate the lie could be the thing that limits what God wants to do through you. What lies are you tolerating? So we're going to label the emotion. We're going to address our thinking. And there are two more things I want to add. I won't spend as much time on these two, but they are so helpful for getting healthy again. In verse 5 of chapter 19, it says, Then he laid down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. Have some food. 
And isn't it so wonderful to recognize that we have a God who cares for our physical bodies, that cares about how you're doing with rest and your, your body having strength, that God will meet Elijah at his moment of need with bread and water, that he will meet him at his moment of need with sleep. And your physical body is a gift from God. Sometimes we believe the lie that this whole journey is only spiritual. It's all spiritual, but it's not only spiritual. So God has given you a physical body that is a vessel And if you run the vessel into the ground, your life will not be as fruitful as God intended for your life to be. So God will meet Elijah physically to restore his strength so that he can move back into his place of leadership. So for some of us this summer, we have a window to get restored physically for what God has in the future. One of the best things that you could do, some of us today, one of the best things you could do is take a vacation. Your staff will love it. They'll be glad to see you out for a little while. And you can get restored again. And I want to encourage you that we can play for the long haul. We can play for 10, 15, 20 years down the road, but we can't do that if we don't care for our bodies. So I want to encourage you, that's number three, is to care for your body. And Elijah looks around, and there beside his head was some more bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and laid down again. What would it look like for you to actually follow through and receive the help that God wants to give to you? To slow down. And we can all recognize that some of our constant pushing, constant anxiety, always on mentality in our culture flows from a lack of faith that God has built his church. God has provided for us. He's been faithful for eternity in the past. His character shows that he is reliable and trustworthy. He's better than any staff member you could ever hire. He's not going to call you on Saturday night and say, I'm not serving. He's not going to call you the day before work and say, you know what? I got a better job paying me more money. God is faithful and you can trust him. And when we do, we can rest in him. So we're going to care for our bodies. And the angel of the Lord comes again and touches him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. This reminds me of my grandma, Nanny. Um, She was a wonderful cook. And I remember when I would travel to see her, when I went to college in South South Carolina, I would travel to Michigan and I would spend time with her. Now she made great food all along, but there's something when you're the only one in the house that gets to eat her food. And I would stop at her house in Virginia on the way to Michigan from North Carolina, South Carolina. And I would be sleeping around 5 a.m. And all of a sudden I would smell the biscuits and gravy. And this actually sounds counterproductive to what I just said. Um, But you could smell it, the bacon, the biscuits and gravy, the sausage, and it was wonderful. And I really do feel sorry for those of you who are vegans here. And I would like to, I I do have a Bible verse on this now. It took me forever to get a Bible verse on not being a vegan. But y'all, have you noticed that when the lost son returns home, what does the father do? What does he do? Does he kill the fattened carrot? No! 
He kills the fattened calf. So eat bacon and sausage. But Nanny, Nanny would say, this was her phrase, after you ate, she would say it, eat some more. Eat some more, for the journey ahead will be too much for you. And I believe that some of you today need to hear, eat some more. God is telling you today that only he can sustain you. Only he can nourish you. Only he can get you to the finish line. And maybe you feel right now like you're hanging on by a thread and you're about to throw in the towel. And right there underneath you is the hand of God that wants to sustain you. He wants to meet with you. He will care for you and he will confront you. He will care for you in your exhaustion and he will confront you and your, your dysfunction and he will help you get back on the path that he has for you. And I wanna finish with this last verse. Elijah got up, ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And there he came into a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And the grace of God is going to meet Elijah in this moment, put him back together, call some other prophets to help him, tell him that it's not all about him and he's not the only one that loves God. And as he strengthens him, He's going to send him back. He's going to put him back on the road. And I believe today there are some of you that God wants to do that. I can't do it. A book can't do it. Only God. And I want to encourage you to let God into the struggle, to tell him today, you need his help. God opposes the proud. And what does he do? He gives grace to the humble. And there is something supernatural that happens in a heart, in a church, in a business when there are open hands that say, God, this is your battle. This is not my battle. I don't have the power to do it on my own. I need your strength, and I want you to enter into the struggle with me. I wonder if you would do that right now. Hey, I hope that talk was an encouragement to you, and that was just a small snippet of what you're going to get to see this year at the Echo Leadership Conference in 2022. So be sure to head over to echoleadership.org. That's echoleadership.org to find out more information. And don't forget, as a part of our Echo Leadership Podcast tribe, you're going to be able to use the promo code ELP10. That's ELP10. One zero to take $10 off and you'll get the best price of the year if you go ahead and buy your tickets now in January. We're going to be back this whole year bringing you more episodes, the first business day of every month and some extra bonus releases to help you continue to grow as a leader. So make sure if you haven't yet, subscribe to keep up with that information and head over to echo.church slash leadership podcast to sign up to get all of the, the notes that come out with each podcast and to be notified in your email inbox with any new releases. Look forward to seeing you on a future release.